The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. Compromised, made vulnerable as to attack or misuse by unauthorized access, revelation, or exposure. Another definition is impaired or diminished in function, weakened, damaged, or flawed. I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts the other day, The Drinking Bros, and the host, Dan Holloway, said that America has been compromised from the top all the way to the bottom. And I cannot disagree. And everything always starts at a grassroots level. Everything starts with the families, starts with moms and dads, it starts with the homes, it starts with our communities. My community, Louisville, Kentucky, and the community in which I police, the first division, Portland, Russell, downtown, Nulu neighborhood, it's compromised. Why do I say that it's compromised? I say that because when I started my shift the other night, I started my shift securing a homicide scene in which a young black life had been taken. As I rolled up on the scene, I could hear the family members yelling and weeping to the sky, crying that their loved one had been shot and killed. And I also say that it's been compromised because when I ended that shift, I ended it on yet another homicide scene. But this homicide scene was different. This homicide scene, it was right before my shift was ending. I had less than an hour to go almost. We get called to a bus stop here in West End where shots had been fired and a group of young children were standing at the bus stop getting ready to go to school. And shots rang out. Three of them were struck. And I remember walking on the scene, seeing all the shell casings. And the one thing that struck me the most was hearing a young black man in his early teens tell me, this is the second time I've been shot. Second time. And then my heart sunk a little while later when I heard that one of the other kids that had been shot died at the hospital. 16 years old, standing at the bus stop waiting to go to school, waiting to be educated. Go back to that definition of compromise, the second definition I gave you. Impaired or diminished in function, weakened, damaged, or flawed. Ladies and gentlemen, Louisville Metro has been compromised. And not just that, I'm going to make some people mad with this, but the black community has been compromised as well. And I know what you're going to say. Well, it ain't just the black community, Dexter. There's violence in other communities, too. And you are absolutely right. That is not a wrong statement. There is violence in other communities. However, within the black community, we have perfected the use of violence. We have perfected the use of violence so much that it has become the norm. And that we have teenagers that with black skin that are wearing bullet wounds as a sign of pride 
we've been compromised. There is something gravely wrong when this is the norm for young black men and women living in the inner city. And then I sit and listen to a press conference, you know, by the people leading the city, the mayor, the police chiefs and all and council members and everybody. You know, and I hear their concerns. But the biggest thing I got from them was this is a gun problem. There's too many illegal guns on the streets. It is too easy for people to go out here and get a gun and hurt somebody. And I am not going to take away from that argument. Yes, that is an actual valid argument. However, that is also a red herring because of politics and people wanting votes and people not wanting to say what the actual problem is. See, the problem is a lot deeper than guns. Guns are the symptom of something going on deeper. Guns are the symptom of a culture rot that is happening within the black community. Now, I know you're going to say it again. It's not just us, Dexter, shooting and killing each other. You're right. But we are doing it to each other at an exceptionally high rate. At least 80 percent of the violence in this community and victims of gun violence are African-American, black, whatever you want to call us. It don't matter. But you can also call us an endangered species because that's the truth. You can get guns off the streets day and night, but until you get down to the core issue of the problem, and that is a problem that is being deeply rooted in the black community right now for many, many years, this will never stop. And I know a lot of people are going to get mad at me for talking about the black community and putting this on front street. But like I said, the guns and the violence are a symptom of a deeper, deeper problem. There is a cancer within the black community and a culture rot that has to be stopped. And the one thing I constantly hear is, Dexter, what can we do to stop it? What can we do? I hear you know, white people like, oh, my God, I want to help. What can I do? The only thing I tell people that they can literally do is pray. Because I'm a Christian, I believe that prayer works. But I also know that at the end of the day, this thing is like trying to love a drug addict. There is nothing you can do to a drug addict to make them stop wanting to use drugs. Everything you do for a drug addict, it only enables them. You can't give money to a drug addict because he's going to take it and smoke it up. You can only give them so much material possessions because they're going to take it and sell it. And then after that, they're going to use that money that they gain from that to go purchase more drugs. Sometimes when you love somebody that's addicted to a drug or in a bad situation, all you can do is tell them I love you and walk away. See, people want to do everything to help the black community except let the black community help themselves. And see, the, and the other problem is people don't want to address the real issues within the black community because they are afraid of being of offending somebody or they are afraid of being labeled a racist because they're calling truth to the light of the issue. And this is the thing that drives me crazy, that this is not new. What happened yesterday is only catching attention because it is so high profile because it happened at a school bus to a young black kid that's getting ready to go to school. 
But this past year, so many young black men and women have been shot and killed in this city. I believe 18 or 20 of them. And I've heard reports that in the school system here, JCPS, we're only a couple months into the school year and there have been already over 400 some odd fights and multiple incidents with guns at these schools. If that does not say compromised, I don't know what is. Our children are in danger, but nobody seems to care until the violence comes to their door. And my whole thing is, where has Black Lives Matter been? Where's Antifa been? Where's all these politicians that claim to love black lives? Where have they been? Yeah, this has been going on longer than just yesterday. But of course, when there's something to be gained from it or to get your face out there to put your face on an issue so you can get more clout and fame, sure, they'll show up. And now people are showing up for this family. But the truth is, we should have been there for this family before. This should have never happened for all the other young black lives that have been shot, killed and lost in this city. None of this should have ever happened because we let these problems spiral out of control because we're afraid to call things out as they are. We're only looking at the surface issues that arise from the culture rock going on within the black community. And I'm the only reason I'm talking about the black community is because they are the ones being impacted the most because that is where I work a majority of my time. And because every time I cut on the news or I make a run, it's a black life I see laying in the street or it's a black mother or a black father crying over their dead black child. Now, I was on a shooting scene a couple weeks ago. There's a young black man laying dead in the street in front of all his friends. And for some odd reason, some of his friends turned to us and said, suck my dick, you faggot ass niggas. Fuck y'all. Fuck the cops. How twisted and demented and compromised What's one's mind be to know that your friends laying dead in the streets and know that the police aren't the ones that did it. But yet you're targeting us and taking all of your anger and aggression out on us. And if that's what you need from me, that's fine. If you need me to be the punching bag so you can be mad and get out all your anger, I will be that for you. But let's not take away from the true issue. And the issue is. It was not the police that did this. It is not the KKK running amongst in Louisville or any other major city where black people are being gunned down every night. It is not the KKK. It is not Donald Trump. It is not the Republicans. It is not the conservatives. It's not the politicians. It is those within the community themselves enacting violence upon their fellow brothers and sisters with the same skin tone. And we just let it go and we don't say anything because it has become the norm. It has become normal for our kids to dodge gunfire in the inner city. It has become normal for black mothers and black fathers to bury their children. It has become normal to see your friends killed in the streets in the inner city. I have a problem with that. But like I said, I see this going on and I know that it is not an easy solution to this. But there are small steps that we can take to help quell the violence. Just throwing all of the blame on guns is not going to get it done. Guns are a red herring. There are multiple fairs across multiple platforms and government bodies as to why this is happening. But even then, at the end of the day, the truth is it all starts at home. It starts with crafting and creating a culture at the base level with a mother and a father. 
and what I believe is good Christian values that will help quell this. That's what that's just my personal belief. And I know not everybody's a Christian. I know not everybody's going to be heterosexual and all this other stuff going on, man. But at the base level, we have to set a solid foundation for these children. And there is no foundation right now. See, black dysfunction is big money. Black dysfunction sells. Black dysfunction is sexy because there's a lot to be gained from it. A lot of votes to be gained from it. A lot of money to be made from it in movies and music. And this is the stuff being peddled to our children day in and day out. Man, you should see how some of the kids that were in the area that weren't involved in the shooting were reacting after the shooting happened. Like it was normal. Just another day. That's insane. This is Louisville, Kentucky, not Baghdad, Iraq, not Af Kandahar, Afghanistan. Man, our black children in the inner cities, man, they're combat veterans. By the t before they even reach the age of 12. They probably got more kills than me. No, not probably. I've never killed anybody. And these kids are out here stacking bodies and seeing their friends get shot and killed day in and day out. And I could point the finger at so many different places. I know for one thing for sure, we don't have a place to take these kids when they get in trouble. They closed down the, ju the youth uh, correctional facility here. So we have nowhere to take them. If we do have to take them, we have to drive almost an hour away to Odom County to take them to jail. And that's only if the court designated worker signs off on the paperwork saying, yeah, he's good to go. You know, then we have critical theory crap being taught in school, teaching kids that they're not victims and that they don't have to take any sort of responsibility for anything. That it's the evil white man that is pushing them into the situation and causing them to make the decisions that they make in their lives. The evil white man scapegoat is so convenient. You know, and the lack of black fathers in in the black community, man, so I think it's over 85 percent of black children are born into a single parent home. You're doomed from the beginning. And that's become normal. And that should not be normal. That should not be part of black culture. That's not black culture. And like I said, it ain't just the black community. But this has just become the norm in American society right now. It's like I said, we have culture rot within the black community. But we have culture rot on a ground level in America. Within our general society. And I know I'm coming down hard on the black community, but that's only because I care so much. If I see my beautiful children running in the street, playing in traffic, about to get by, hit by a car, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to run over and yoke them up by the back of their necks and their ears, and I'm going to pull them to safety. If I didn't care about them, I wouldn't say anything and just let whatever happened to them happen. But I'm not going to sit back and do that. So I'm going to speak on it. I'm going to speak about it. And the things I say might anger people. It might have the journalist that's coming after me for whatever reason, you know, saying that I hate black people or whatnot. But that's absolute bull crap. I speak on these things because I care, because I want to see the issues resolved and fixed. And I know there is no quick fix. And I know that there's nothing I can do individually, but I'm at least going to try to do something. And if it takes me speaking about it, that's what I'm going to do. And that's why I continue to serve and wear the police uniform and serve in the area that I serve. I'm 12 years into this thing. I could be somewhere out in the county patrolling where there's cows crossing the street with no stress. And just doing an easy 12 hours and going home to my family. But I can't because I know that there are people out there that need me because I know the black community in Louisville needs me because I really care. 
sometimes I think I care too much. But I, when you wear a uniform, you can never care too much. But caring so much and seeing all this chaos, death and destruction, it weighs on you, man. It absolutely weighs on you. And I know y'all are wondering, where have I been? Because it's been almost two weeks. And I got to confess, y'all, brother's tired. I'm exhausted. And I'm going to be even a little bit more honest. I've been battling depression. I guess you could say that uh, I've been compromised because I've been impaired and diminished in my function, weakened, damaged, and flawed. You know, I found myself a couple weeks ago sitting in front of our mental health specialist for the police department because I knew I was not in a good spot. Not to the point I want to kill myself or anything. Just having a hard time getting up and getting going. Just feeling just not happy, unfulfilled, in search of something, and that's something I have no clue what it is. Working myself to death with no goal or in, in date in sight. Just going and going and going and with no purpose behind it other than this is just what I do. You know, and I, I sat there in front of my our counselor and he told me some, something that I have not thought of. But, you know, he reminded me that most of the things that we went through last year, the last few years with COVID and the 2020 riots, especially within the realm of law enforcement, especially police officers on the streets. Things have kind of tampered down a little bit. We're not as busy as we were. It's not as crazy as we were, although I do work in a pretty busy area. But now to the point where when I can get off and I go home, I don't have to worry about being called back in. So I'm now having more time to actually sit and not do much and not be as active and not working as much and not thinking. And like he said, now that things have slowed down, your mind and your body is starting to deal and catch up with everything we all went through in 2020. All that drama, stress, the hens are coming home to roost. And that's what it's going on. And I never thought about it. And I was like, he's absolutely right. You know, I'm not going every day working 12, 16 hours a day every day. Like I said, I had 321 hours of overtime from June of last year until the end of last year. 321 hours. Now I'm working overtime, but nowhere near as much as I used to. And now my mind is slowly starting to process and dealing up, dealing with and thinking about all the things we went through. And I'm now being set to force and reconcile with everything that I went through. You know, and it's talking about depression and your feelings in the police world. It's it's very cliche. Nobody likes to do it because I've said it before. We all want to be the tough guy. But even the tough guys the engine runs to the red and you get redlined. Your mind is like a rubber band. It stretches and it continues to stretch. But if you stretch a rubber band too much, eventually it's going to pop. Luckily for me, I've been through enough in my life and I realize, you know what? I need to go get help. I need to talk to somebody because I'm not in a good state of mind. And I am better for having done so. Getting another perspective and getting stuff off of my chest that I've been holding on to for over a year. And it feels good, you know, but it's funny, but I'm still not out of the dark, still crawling out of the darkness of this depression. But what made me do it was the care and love I have for my fellow officers 
and my fellow veterans and just people in general. If I don't get out here and talk about it and I just lay in the dark and just go to work and come home. If I don't say anything, nobody else is going to get help. Nobody else is going to have the courage to get up and go get what they need to be better for themselves and their family. I say we all put on a face. I've put on a face to the face that I'm, I'm just OK. I'm doing good. And the truth is I'm not. But you'd be surprised if you asked the people around you how they were doing and had an honest conversation. You would realize that you're not the only one. Funny thing is, I'm always very open with my friends and the people I love. And I actually came out and told some of my buddies. I was like, I don't know what's going on with me, man, but I'm depressed right now. And I don't know why, you know, and on the surface, everybody's looking like, man, this dude's got it all. He's got, you know, money. He's got, you know, the job, the wife, the kids. What do you have to be depressed about? I don't know, you know, but as I said, it's funny when you start opening up about what you're going through and you're feelings because as soon as i did my other buddies came out saying you know what man i am too i've been depressed i don't know what's going on with me multiple people i've talked to have all said the same thing and these are some of the most badass people you could ever meet good people solid people that on the outside you would think god i wish i could live this person's life but on the inside there's a storm brewing in their mind we all think that we're alone in these things and the truth is we're not We're all battling something. We're all going through something. And sometimes you just need to, instead of trying to hide it, you know, be open, open yourself up to those you love and, you know, open yourself up to your friends, man. Get stuff off of your chest. It's good for you. Like I said, I'm still coming out of this thing, but I'm better than I was about two weeks ago. There's hope. But you can only keep that hope if you start unloading some of the stuff off your chest and off of your mind. So that's what actually made me get up and push me to do this show today. Not just the shootings that I've been dealing with and a young 16-year-old kid that got killed the other day. That motivated me, but also just reminding myself that if I don't get out and speak out, nobody is. And if I don't speak out, somebody's maybe going to make a decision that's going to hurt their family or make a decision that's permanent in which they cannot come back from. And I don't want that to happen on my watch. And going back to this whole thing about being compromised. And I also realized something about myself where I compromise. I've been compromised. And a lot of people know I'm a big Dave Ramsey guy. Love Dave Ramsey. Followed his principles forever. Went on a show that the debt free scream. They actually use our story in their financial peace university series. But man, I said, I've got off track the last few years. I've compromised my beliefs and And I've compromised the image I've presented to people over the years of living this debt free life because that's all I talked about. And I still believe it. And it's true and it's real. But I was talking to my buddy from the Army, my homeboy, Sean, that I served with in the 10th Mountain down in Texas. Shout out to my homeboy, Sean. He was like, man, I know you're living a good life. You're debt free. And and, I, you know, as soon as he said that and I was like, something struck me like I've compromised myself. I'm fake. I'm putting out this whole debt free vibe, yo, but I'm not living debt free. Why am I not living debt free? Because I fell into the trap of I deserve or I want this and I deserve it. And especially after everything I went through last year and just all the stress, I made an emotional snap judgment after I came into some money earlier this year. And I went and bought me my dream truck. 
I bought my dream 2015 GMC Sierra. Silver in color with the black ebony leather. The nicest car I've ever owned. And you know what? I could afford it because it wasn't breaking the bank. Still have money left over at the end of the month. Loved my truck. But talking to my boy Sean, I realized I was like, you know what? I'm fake. I'm putting on the front. You know, and the one thing that got me was people still hit me up about the Dave Ramsey thing. Like, dude, that's amazing. That's awesome. I'm so happy for your family. And I'm just like, yeah, just basking in this glory. Like, yeah, yeah, we did that. But if they only knew how much debt I had reoccurred after I left here, moved to Arizona, moved back. And I had the plan back in motion to get the stuff paid back off. But like I said, I fell into that I deserve trap when I came into a little bit of money. And I made the decision to get my dream truck. And you know what's weird? I loved it, but it didn't give me the joy and the peace that I wanted. It felt good at the moment, but five months down the road, even though it wasn't breaking the bank, I just hated seeing that money come out of my account and seeing that large amount of debt sitting over me and strangling me, strangling my mind. I just hated it, man. And so... Last week, I made the decision. You know what? I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm going to be real about it. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And I went and sold my truck. And you know what? I was never happier. And it was so weird because the morning I sold my truck, I took it to the shop to get the check engine light fixed. And as I'm sitting waiting for the shop to open, I'm still battling with this depression in this time. And I'm sitting in my truck and it's absolutely quiet. I'm looking at my truck. And I'm just asking God, like, why am I in this situation right now? Why do I feel like this? Why can't I just shake this depression? You know, and I always tell people that I am God's hard headed son and I don't listen. And he constantly has to force me to submit because I am the type of person that I like to enforce my will on my life. And I know it's supposed to be his will, not my will. But I've gotten to the point the last few years where I've just been forcing my will and what I want in life. And it's worked sometimes, but most of this, but a lot of times it's come to back to fire and bite me. And I've just been struggling and wrestling with God the last few months and the last few years. And as I sat in my truck, I just finally decided to submit. And I was tired of fighting. And I just remember looking up and saying, God, I give up. I went, you win. It's whatever you want. And in that moment, it's so weird. I decided as I was looking at my truck, like, I'm going to sell this thing. And lo and behold, as I was in the Uber going back home, I remember picking up my keys. And when I bought my truck, I remember the little the key for my truck and the the little uh, remote access thing. It's huge. It was massive. And it just felt so heavy. And I always carried these keys around with me like, man, it was so noticeable that I had this thing on my keys. But I remember when I walked into picked up my keys going to my house and how light my keys felt without that key fob on there and that key. And I just felt instantly better. And when I sold my truck later that day, I was never happier. I felt unburdened. I actually felt a little bit of the depression starting to alleviate and lift off of me, man. And like I said, the truck with the money I make, I'm not, I'm not trying to brag, but it's the payment was nothing. I was still doing good in life. There was nothing I could want for that I couldn't have, you know, but just something about it just didn't set right with me. 
And I think that was God telling me that if you're going to be sitting here telling people to live debt free and people are going to be watching this video with you in it and you and your family talking about how you're living debt free and mentioning God's name and all this stuff, you better be living it yourself. And I've never felt better. And like I say, I'm still crawling out of the darkness, still dealing with a little bit of depression. But, man, getting rid of that truck, I don't know, it was a weight lifted off my shoulders regardless. Of course, I'm going to miss it. And I'm going to give me another one. Don't think I'm not. That's definitely going to happen. But now it's not the time. I have other things to be concerned with. I have other things that I'm t focusing on. I have other targets ahead of me that I have to deal with right now. And other issues that are more important to me rolling around in a nice pickup truck looking all sexy. No, there's no point in me rolling around in a nice truck when internally and mentally I'm compromised. I can't have that. So I have to uncompromise myself and get back to functioning well. And if I'm going to be doing this podcast, I have to be in the right state of mind. I can't be compromised. So I've managed to uncompromise myself so that I can help those listening to the show, my fellow officers, my fellow Americans and my country. And just right now, man, like I realize I've been gone for two weeks and I've missed so much stuff that's going on in the news because, you know, like I said, I've had my face buried in my pillow and just being absolutely depressed, man. But <clears throat> even though I've been out of the loop, I'm still paying attention to what's going on. Some of this stuff is old news, but I still want to speak on it. Because seeing my country being compromised just does not sit well with me and seeing how it's affecting my fellow Americans. And we're pulling apart at the seams between Democrats and Republicans left and right. And I just see the hypocrisy that's going on and it drives me crazy. Like the Larry Elder incident. I remember watching that a couple weeks ago. Uh, here we have a black man that they call the black face of white supremacy. The media there they are constantly dividing us. And it's OK to be black in America as long as you're on the left side. But when you're a man like Larry Elder, who I love and respect very much, and I've read multiple books of his, it's not OK to be black. And here he is walking down the street and we have a white lady wearing a black face gorilla mask with pink hair, throwing eggs at a black man, then assaulting another person. You can't sit here and tell me. That this is normal, that this is absolutely okay. I know that this is in California, but this is a temperature check and a temperature gauge of what's going on in the country. Yes, I know it's not everybody and everywhere in every state, but the fact that this is happening and that the media does not call it out shows you how compromised we are as a country and how compromised the media is. You know, and as I'm in my depression, I'm still watching the news. Then I see the ever so famous AOC in her beautiful white flowing dress that costs thousands of dollars. And while she's in attendance at the Met Gala, surrounded by a bunch of rich people and elites where a ticket costs thirty thousand dollars to get in. Now, I'm sure she didn't have to buy a ticket. She's a politician. But still, it's the optics of the thing. And on this beautiful white dress she's wearing, she has tax the rich. You know, my blood started to boil as I watched this and I saw the pictures of this and then go come to find out the person who designed her dress, uh, a 37 year old lady named Miss James. She has a net worth of two million dollars. 
Two million dollars. And not only that, this tramp ain't paying her taxes either. Between April of 2018 and April 2019, the IRS placed six federal liens for failing to remit more than 100,000 in employee payroll taxes. And, that on t- and on top of that, in an article I read, it said in October 2019, the state workers compensation board slapped the company with a $17,000 fine for not carrying workers comp insurance between March 2017 and February 2018. The company currently owes $62,722 and no payments have been received to date. How tone deaf and how hypocritical must one be? My a part of me questions and wonders like, is AOC really this crazy or is she really that smart? I'm starting to believe she don't believe she can't believe half the things she does or says. A part of me think I'm 100 percent sure now that this is all a political sideshow this is all for a money grab this is all for her own self gain and self wealth I mean AOC is making like $150,000 a year in Congress I want to say there's no way that she's that stupid and unaware of the things she does and says but it's just impossible it's impossible so it's either she's really stupid or she's really smart there is no in between I'm starting to think that she's just really smart and she is a master strategist in order to gain more power and more votes. Plain and simple, because this is just absolutely insane that they go to this party full of elites, full of rich people, wear this tax the rich dress while the chick that made the dress is a tax is a tax evader. Yeah. Now, you can't make this up, man, but this is the state of our country right now. We have been compromised from the top down. Our politicians are compromised. Our state state and local governments, everything's compromised. Nothing is working as it should. Where's the justice in the justice system? It ain't nowhere to be found. And the media just continues to double down on this craziness, man. Like, why are we letting these idiots in Hollywood and the media dictate society norms the Hollywood folks and their political counterparts, they're all morally bankrupt, man. And why are we we're just letting them have their way and nobody's holding them accountable. Nobody's holding their feet to the fire over the hypocritical things they're doing and saying. And then we have Joy Reid coming on TV to stoke the flames of racism in this country. To just continue to further the, the divide, to continue to make black people feel less than and to make white people the absolute evil in this country take for example what she said this incident involving the disappearance of this young white girl gabby petito joy reed calls the coverage of this missing white woman syndrome you know and i find it funny that she calls it that and she's calling out the inconsistent coverage between white women that go missing versus black women that go missing well, Ms. Reed, you work for the media company. So if you ask me, you're part of the problem. Not even that. It doesn't matter. The color of somebody that goes missing. Dude, there are 600,000 people that go missing every year in this country. And approximately 4,400 unidentified bodies are recovered every year. So we have a family suffering. And she comes on TV to gaslight them for being white. And that their daughter's missing. 
all because she believes that there's unfair coverage. Is there unfair coverage? Possibly, but let's be honest, at the end of the day, the families really don't care. They just want their loved ones found. How do you decide between, out of 600,000 people whose story is most important and should go out? I mean, I wish we could find every last one of these people that are missing, but we can't. I wish we could air every last story of a missing person on TV, but you just can't. That's 600,000 people. There's not a it's impossible. My question is, why do we continually have to inject race into this thing, into everything, everything? I'm sick and tired of it. Everybody's sick and tired of it, regardless of what color you are. If you go missing, your family deserves to have you home. Your family deserves closure. And the news media, like I said, when they should be focusing on this girl missing, they're focusing on the color she is. That's not journalism. That is divisiveness. That is taking people's emotions and using them to continue to further divide the people so that you can conquer them. There is no need to mention anything about this. But of course the media does because they have an agenda. And not only do they have an agenda, they're compromised. How do I know they're compromised? Further evidence? This incident going on down at the border right now in Del Rio, Texas, man. It's craziness at the border. I got my buddy still working down there. Shout out to you all. Hope you're all doing well and being safe. But man, like Del Rio is off the chain right now. So I read an article the other day that and this is what it stated is that Haitian immigrants in federal custody have hijacked multiple buses during transport rides and forced out drivers in incidents that threatened to stop the U.S. government's immigration enforcement operations, according to three people familiar with the incident. Somebody's quoted as saying they've based they've been basically overpowering the drivers. And they've actually hijacked a couple of the buses and driven them down the road a little ways and escaped. This has happened multiple times, a senior federal law enforcement official said. I don't know if you all have seen the video footage or the photos coming from Del Rio under the overpass. It is an absolute madhouse. I believe even the FFA has said that people could not fly over the area and there's no drones allowed. Because I feel like the federal government is trying to hide the truth of what's going on down there. And they don't want people seeing anything further, which I think is crap. That's just my opinion. But, man, yeah, it's just it's out of control on the border. And the Biden administration's really not doing anything about it. They're not saying anything about it. Oh, but lo and behold, they did speak up at the photo and the videos that came out of the United States Border Patrol where they have agents that are attached to the mounted unit that ride horses. They were riding their horses trying to corral a group of Haitian immigrants trying to illegally cross the border into America. These agents were doing their job. And of course, the media takes the videos and the pictures and puts them out there and tries to make it appear seem as though these agents are whipping these black Haitians with whips. It's not a whip. It's called a rain. These Agents are actually doing their job, what they're trained to do. But, of course, the media takes it and twists it. And now, because of the politics behind it, of course, the White House is speaking up about it. Kamala Harris is speaking up about it. They're opening up an investigation. And now a poor agent, a poor American, some guy working to feed his family and take care of the country, 
has been suspended and removed from duty for doing his job. And now I don't know how many of y'all have actually been to the border. I know a little bit about it. I worked down there for a year on the. And let me tell you, the Mounted Patrol is vital to the Border Patrol. There are just some places agents cannot get to on foot and that they need to get there fast enough. And those and those agents on horseback come in clutch when you are trying to chase down a group of illegals that has a head start on you, man. They get there faster and they can navigate that terrain a little easier. But to use this, these agents doing their job as a political football for a political gain absolutely makes me sick to my freaking stomach. And this is why I hate politics. And then to make matters worse and for me to double down on why I hate politics in walks Maxine freaking waters. If there's anybody in politics, I detest absolutely disgust me. It's Maxine waters because boy, she knows how to play the political game and use the wording and using people's emotions to just continue to further this divide so that she can stay in power and keep her votes coming in because she's fighting for the people as she would like to make you all think, but she don't care about y'all. And this is what this old raggedy hag went and said after this photo surfaced. You tell me what y'all think. She said, what we witnessed takes us back hundreds of years. What we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. Now, let me break that down. Worse than what we witnessed in slavery. Ladies and gentlemen, nobody alive today witnessed anything in slavery. Not a one, not even her. She's like 200 years old. <laughs> you know, they, nobody alive today witnessed anything from slavery. We know about stuff, but ain't nobody today witnessed anything from slavery. Get out of here with that madness, man. And then the last part, this is what she said. Waters claim, later adding, they're trying to take us back to slavery days and worse than that. I've heard this term. They're trying to take us back to slavery days more times than I can count. I heard Steve Hardy, Harvey said it before and a few other people expect. And this was especially per pertinent when Trump was running for office and while Trump was in office. You know, I don't know if any if any of these politicians have heard of this little thing called the 13th Amendment that made slavery illegal in any sort of servitude. But we we are not going back into slavery. But see, the fact that they say this, this tells you what these politicians really think about you and how stupid they think you are. They really believe that if they can convince you that you're going back into slavery, that you're going to come vote for them because they're going to keep you out of slavery. Well, the truth is, nobody's going to enslave you. And if there is going to be a slave party, it's going to be the Democrats. Because why? The Democrats are the party of slavery. This is asinine to actually make try to make people believe that we're on the verge of going back to slavery. See, this is what they call fear porn or fear mongering. And if you don't vote for them, if you don't vote for Maxine Waters, Guess what? You're going to end up a slave because Maxine Waters is the only person that's going to save you. They're playing on your emotions. And they're taking advantage of freedom of speech in this country because a politician that says things such as this 
She needs to be held accountable for everything that comes out of her mouth. This ain't the first time she's done it, and this ain't the last time. This old heifer's been in Congress for over 30 years, man. What has she done for you? What has she really done for anybody? Nothing. And that is how she continues to stay in power. Because she uses fear and she uses the media to stoke the flames in this country, to keep people separated, to keep people divided, to keep black fearful of white and white fearful of black. But she has painted herself as the only savior of the black community and America's only savior. These politicians absolutely disgust me. And the media lets them do it and the media lets them get away with it. Like I said, our, our America's compromise. From top to bottom, we're rotten at our core right now. We have people like General Miley, Millie, in the U.S. Army circumventing the chain of command, calling China to let them know if we're going to attack them or not. Ladies and gentlemen, that's called treason. And we're letting this happen. This is taking root within our military. Critical race theory, that's taking root in our military as well. We are compromised as a nation. The president of the United States, Congress, our local politicians compromised. It don't matter their political affiliation. They're compromised. And we continue to just let them get away with it. And we let them just continue to further divide us. You know, and before I get off, I want to go back to this thing with Maxine Waters. Yo. This whole fear of going back into slavery and this whole divide with Joy Reid and this whole black and white bull crap that's going on that the media is just constantly pushing out there. Yes, I'm black. Yes, I work in a black community. Yes, there are differences between people of different colors. There's differences between black and white. There's differences between people that are Christian and non-Christian. There's differences between pe people from America, people from Africa and the countries where they're in. We are all different, all of us. But at the end of the day, if we set aside those differences that we have, I promise you, at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. You know what we all want at the end of the day? We all want our kids to be able to go ride the school bus in the morning and not have to worry about our kid getting shot and killed standing on a bus stop. We want our kids to be able to come home to a safe place in the house to a meal ready to eat for them on the table. We all want our kids to be able to live in this country and be able to pursue and chase after whatever it is that they want to do with their lives. We all want liberty. We all want freedom. See, liberty and freedom do not come with a color attached to it. Now, when this country first started, of course, liberty and freedom did not apply to black people or Indian people. But that just shows the greatness of America and how we have transformed since our inception to include everybody who stepped foot on this land that can be included in the pursuit of freedom, liberty and happiness, man. It ain't just for white people. It's for all of us. And we all want the same thing for our children. But the media and these politicians keep telling us. That we're different at our core and that we are all against each other. And that is not the truth. Like I said, the truth is we all want the same thing. And the only thing standing in our way is the lies and deception and the misinformation from the media 
and the politicians using the lies and the, the deception and the misinformation to continue to divide us. I dare you step out of your comfort zone this weekend. Step out of your comfort zone today. Go talk to somebody that don't look like you. Go talk to somebody who doesn't believe the exact same things you do. Go out there, man. There's more that unites us than divides us. The things that divide us are so minute and so superficial and just on the surface. But at the end of the day, Maslow's hierarchy of needs applies to us all. We all want our families to be safe. We all want our communities to be safe. We all want our families and communities to prosper. We all hate paying taxes. We all want more money in our pockets to take care of our families. Like I said, at the end of the day, color is nothing. It is our character that we should be focused upon. And at the end of the day, we are all in pursuit of the same things. So stop being deceived and misled by the media. We're not going back into slavery. We are not headed for a race war. But we will if we continue to listen to the BS being fed to us by these politicians and the media. Learn to think for yourself. Step out of your comfort zone and go see the world for yourself. It's not what you think it is. And it's definitely not what the media is portraying. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I Am Pitts podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. And I apologize for my absence. I can assure you and I promise you that I am doing my best to get better. And that I am still somewhat battling with this depression and all the stuff going on with life. But lo and behold, I'm still here and I apologize for my absence. But regardless of that absence, there's no excuses. If there's anything I want to be and that I have been in life, it has been consistent. I believe in consistency. And the last two weeks I have not showed that and I regret that. Because like I say, I appreciate everybody that tunes in. I appreciate every download, even from my snarling haters that are going to listen to this and be pissed off because I said something to make them angry. Yes, your downloads matter to me, too, and I really appreciate them. So like I said, I'm going to continue to work on my consistency. And if you all could, please go to Apple and rate the show. Uh, leave a comment, like I say, give me that five star if you like what I'm doing, if you like what I'm saying. If you think I'm an absolute mind wash, whitewash, <laughs> conservative Uncle Tom. Drop me a comment and let me know how you feel, all right? Other than that, you can also tune in to the Iron Pits podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. I said this has been the Iron Pits podcast. Thank you all for tuning in, and I will see you all on the next one.